2: The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 104.5thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin.
1: And here we go.
3: Straight up 6 o'clock by my watch. It's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. As always, thank you for making me a part of your evening. Thank you for making The Zone your home for sports coverage here in the Music City. I'm Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Telephone number tonight, 615-737-1045. A busy hour. It's always a busy hour. I think, how much stuff do I need to cover the hour? And then I look up and the hour is over. I told you we were going to talk about red flags in the NFL back on Wednesday, but we ended up talking about Titans wide receivers for almost the entire hour. So we will do the red flags in the NFL discussion in the second segment of this show. We'll also bring on our good friend Murphy Fair to talk high school football. That'll be at 630. I'll give you the big six matchups of the weekend to close out tonight's show. But there's a pretty big game happening here in Nashville on Sunday. Ravens are in town to play the Titans. The Ravens are that sort of rival because of the history between the two franchises. Not in the same division. It doesn't matter. It's two, three, and two teams trying to keep pace in a wide open AFC. Both of them off of bad performances in situations where this could have been four and one against four and one and something really, really entertaining now doesn't have the nation's interest the way that it might have otherwise. But. How big is this game for the Tennessee Titans Sunday? It's gigantic. It's immense. It's enormous. Whatever superlative, whatever exaggerated adjective you want to put on it, it fits. This could not be bigger. If you don't believe me, I'm going to lay out the case for you. And by the way, if you have thoughts on what is going to happen on Sunday, what you think needs to happen, who you think is going to win, if you want to sound off before we get into the weekend – about Titans-Ravens, 615-737-1045, is your avenue to do so. This, to me, is more of a referendum game than any we've seen to this point on the current state of the Tennessee Titans. This is not a referendum on Mike Vrabel or any one position for the future, necessarily, but it is absolutely a referendum for the present. This is, again, two three, and 3-2 teams two teams that everybody sort of liked last week that they don't like nearly as much right now. This is an AFC that is there for the taking. The Patriots are good. I don't think they're actually going to win the AFC this year, but I don't know who is. Kansas City, their defense could hold them back. Maybe they can outscore everybody. Jacksonville, their offense may hold them back. Maybe they can hold a team like Kansas City. And I've got a stat for you that will blow your mind at the end of this show about that matchup last week and historically how it happens when it's the number 1 offense and the number 1 defense playing against each other. It's happened seven times in the last 15 years. The record is pretty astonishing, as are the stats around it, so stick around for that. The San Diego Chargers, Titans opponent in London a week from Sunday. Phillip Rivers may be having the best season of his career right now. They've got a stud in Derwin James that a lot of teams passed on that shouldn't have passed on. They've got Joey Bosa not even on the field, but they should be a wild card. I don't know what's going to happen in the AFC South. The Titans already have two wins in division. They beat the Texans. They beat the Jaguars once. They will have to play both of those two teams again. Indianapolis does not look to be particularly good. They just have too many holes. I think Andrew Luck's going to be fine. I think that they're starting to make some good personnel decisions. But what we've seen is that it takes years to overcome bad decisions in the NFL when it comes to personnel and building a team. Look at the team that I have pulled for since I was a child, the Denver Broncos. John Elway has not done a good job in the draft. As a result, we end up paying Case Keenum $21 million instead of in the fifth pick where we took Bradley Chubb taking Josh Rosen, which is what I think we should have done. I think that it set the franchise back for quite some for quite some time. You've got a similar situation in Tampa Bay where they have a ton of talent, but they've made bad decisions in terms of who actually is their head football coach, a guy that probably should have been let go last year or at the end of last season, rather. But looking at the Tennessee Titans. We're still trying to figure out what Marcus Mariota is. And I've said before on this show, as have many others on this radio station and across the Nashville media landscape, that he's basically got two seasons. He's got this year and he's got next year because I don't think the Titans would take a quarterback in this draft, but they're going to have to determine what they're going to do from a contractual perspective with eight. And then they're going to have to make a decision next year when it comes to that. Derrick Henry, I honestly just don't believe in right now. That's hard for me to say because I like Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry to me right now feels like a high-end Trent Richardson. He does not run the way he looks. Dion Lewis is a more physical back. I sat there and watched Chris Ivory. He only had 43 yards on Sunday for the bills in that 13, 12 debacle up in Buffalo. But every time I saw Chris Ivory running, I saw him running headlong into guys. When I see Derrick Henry far too often, I see him running like Reggie Bush or trying to run like Reggie Bush. Not that he could duplicate it, but he's dodging and weaving and he's moving left to right and he's trying to be shifty. Look at yourself. Same thing like watching Bo Scarborough at Alabama last year. Like Bo Scarborough, just run over, guys. I mean, look at you. I mean, look at Derrick Henry when you're on a practice field or if you're a fan that has come to St. Thomas Sports Park in the offseason and taken a look at Derrick Henry why is that guy trying to beat you left and right, east and west? If he would just go at guys. He's used to having an offensive line in Crimson and Cream that just pushes open all of this space and makes it easy to run downhill. Derrick Henry just needs to run more downhill. Now, the offensive line was a bit of a problem a week ago. After playing relatively well, especially considering their limitations in weeks prior, they're going to need to be better. And I think that they know they're going to need to be better. They were bullied by a scrappy Buffalo defense. Not one that has a ton of names on it that blow you, you know, blow you away, but a couple of guys that you like. And what they did on the interior of their defensive line enabled Jerry Hughes to have a monster game on the outside as well. But we just saw a lot of things in Buffalo that you don't like, but you have to wonder, is that one football game I The the thing that irritated me the most, and I bet you I'm not alone, is that all I heard was Vrabel's going to make sure this is not a trap game. You're the Tennessee Titans. You haven't won anything of note in a long time. There should not be anything at all that even intimates the word trap game. How can you have a trap game when you're the Titans? You're not the Patriots. You're not the Vikings. You're not the Saints. You're not the Eagles. You're not the Rams. Those, they can have trap games. You can't have a trap game because who do you think you are? And I don't think that the Titans went into it thinking it that perspective. I think they might have been a little bit too worried, at least some of them, about what people were saying outside of Nashville or not saying, rather, about the football team. And I phrased it on Monday Night Titans by saying, you can't give yourself a nickname in the same manner you don't go out and demand respect. You just go play football and earn it. But this is an enormous football game for both of these two teams in divisions that are somewhat wide open. There are four teams, honestly, in the AFC North that have a shot at it. And yes, I'm including the Browns. The Steelers are starting to get it together, but the defense is still not very good. Cincinnati looks good. That's a huge game against Pittsburgh on Sunday to see just how far Andy Dalton and the offense has come with the new OC there. And then you've got Baltimore, who looked terrible against the Browns, just like the Titans, unable to score a touchdown against an opponent that I think they felt like they would be able to score against. The Browns' defense is, is good, very good, better than Buffalo's defense, but Buffalo is, is no slouch in that category. But you have to show up in the NFL, or you're going to get beat. And both those two teams got beat. And so now it looks like there might be showers on Sunday. But one of those two teams is going to be four and two. And if you're the Tennessee Titans with the Chargers coming up and then a bye week and then the Dallas Cowboys under the lights where Tennessee's just not used to playing a whole lot of games like that, this is one that you need. This is one you need to just kind of quell the loss of momentum that some people have felt this week and really just sort of change the narrative back to hey man we this team could be pretty pretty good right now the ravens are a little better on defense than you are this is the stat that continues to just jump out to me unlike just about any and it continues to dog this football team and it is this if you look at the defensive stats across the board for the tennessee titans they are a top 10 defense in virtually every category that matters. Ninth in yards allowed, fourth in points given up, seventh in yards per game surrendered, fifth in passing yards given up, and then they're 26th in rush defense. In the 2016 and 2017 Tennessee Titans seasons, the Titans defense gave up an average of 88 point something yards per game. I think it was 0.3 and 16 point eight and 17 they were fourth and second in those two years respectively in rush defense they gave up fourteen hundred and twenty yards on the ground total in 2017 in five games this year they've given up 616 so they're approaching half of what they gave up all last season just in the first five games of this year they are giving up they were giving up 88 like i told you the last two years Now they're giving up 123 yards per game. That is nearly 50 more rushing yards a contest than they were giving up a season ago. And that's got to be better. And that leads to time of possession, and it leads to defenses being tired, not being able to get off the field. It changes everything. And you've had some struggles, and Wesley Woodyard being out was a big deal when it came to the Buffalo game He's tremendous in run defense. I think we're seeing what Avery Williamson meant, especially to the run side of the defense for the Titans. Even though he lagged in other areas, he was very good for you in that area. Jayon Brown is showing some flashes, but he's not quite there yet. So we're going to continue to break this down. I see we've got some calls, Marlon and Greg, we've got to get to Tom Duggan first and uh, see what's happening with the DTC sports crew. We'll keep talking Titans-Ravens after the break here on The Big Six. Tom, how are you?
0: Hey, Jason, doing fine tonight. How's it going?
3: Uh, Doing pretty good. Where are you guys tonight?
0: Hey, we are in Woodbury, Tennessee again tonight. And, uh, Jason, let me tell you, I know it's just week nine of the high school football season, but there are a lot of games going on tonight with some serious playoff implications. We've got one of those games tonight. You know, the Cannon County Lions, they have not been in the playoffs since the 2009 season. But here they sit on the doorstep, if they can score a big win tonight over the Smith County Owls, then they punch their ticket to the postseason. And, again, that would be the first time in nine years. This has been a program that's won only four games the last seven years combined. They come in tonight at 4-3. and three. Now, don't count out Smith County. They're defending Region 4 3 champions. State quarterfinalists a year ago. They've had a bit of a down season with a young team, but they're hungry. They're coming off a huge win over to County last week, and they're fired up. They know what's at stake tonight if Smith County loses. They are out of the playoff picture altogether. So it's a big game for both teams. Now for folks out there tonight, I know there are some huge games going on in Middle Tennessee and you might be at one of the games tonight. You can also tune in and watch our game if you've got a mobile device. Log on to DTC3.tv. That's DTC, the number three dot TV. Again, our game tonight, Smith County, Cannon County in uh, region four, three A. Jason, the atmosphere here is already electric. It's amazing. And I'm just fired up and ready for a great football game and some great football weather tonight.
3: Yep, should be a good one, Tom. We will, uh, we will be listening and watching as always. Jason, thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. That is Tom Duggan. DTC3.tv is the website. Your phone calls and more Titans Ravens stock next here on 104.5 of The Zone. <laughs> back. Glad to have you with us. Jason Martin here with you as always. The Big Six, The Zone. I'm on Twitter at JMartZone. 615 737 1045. Do you want to talk Titans, Ravens, or maybe whatever else is on your mind? Murphy Fair coming up next segment. Kurt Viles, Loading Zones, bringing us back. It's off his new album, Bottle It In, which came out today. And I highly recommend it. And I tried to give you that side, the music side, the culture side on this program as often as possible. So we're talking about how big this Titans-Ravens game is, and he waited through the break. So let's go ahead and get to Greg in Green Hills, your first up tonight. Greg, what say you?
1: Hey there. Well, the first thing I want to say is I love your show. I've been listening since day one.
3: Oh, I really appreciate that, Greg. Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, but the the thing that that prompted me to call this evening is you, you, you mentioned this
1: as being a referendum game. Now, I have to wonder, that, that prompted me to wonder, if we had not beaten the Super Bowl champ Eagles, would this be a referendum game? If we had beaten the Cowboys that same weekend, would that still be a referendum game at this point?
3: I, mean, I think that's interesting. I, I think that the, and thank you for the call, I think that the Eagles win, like they won last night over an awful Giants team. That much we know. They have the second-worst secondary in the history of their franchise right now. I mean, they are giving up a ton of yards, at least until last night, but Eli Manning can't throw the football downfield. I mean, he's done. I said that before the season, I've been proven correct. I said it last year, I've been proven correct. He says he can still play because his mind tells him, hey, Eli, you can still play. You know how to play this game. He's smart enough to play the game, but he's just done. It's That's just what happens. Eventually, you live long long enough to become the villain if you want to take it to the dark night, which, of course, we open the show with every night here on the Big Six. He's not the villain. He's just done. And there's nobody behind him. And they just drafted a running back instead of a quarterback when there were a lot of guys they could have gotten at that number two pick. And as good as Saquon Barkley is, unless unless there's a quarterback there, they're still not going to be able to win in New York. Even with Shermer there who is somebody you would expect to maybe be able to rejuvenate the offense. And now, of course, you got problems with Odell Beckham and and others. But throwing out last night, the Eagles haven't been able to stop anybody, whether it's Kirk Cousins, Marcus Mariota. Um, They did all right against Matt Ryan in the first week of the season, but that's really been about it. I mean, even Alex Smith played them pretty solidly on the road as well. So... I think you go back and you look at that Eagles game and you think, all right, well, Marcus did what everybody else is doing against this team. Corey Davis had 161 yards, but everybody is carving up the Eagles secondary, especially without Rodney McLeod out there. So how big a win was that? How good are the Philadelphia Eagles right now? I think they're a step below the Rams, maybe two steps below the Rams. Even with Doug Peterson's offense and Carson Wentz being Carson Wentz, you lose Jay Ajayi, he was there, but he didn't do very much against the Titans up front until the Titans defense just seemed to get a little bit gassed late in the fourth quarter. I say it's a referendum game just because the AFC is so wide open. And if you want to know how good the Tennessee Titans are, this is a game you got to have because then you're going to London to play the Chargers on the 21st. Who knows what's going to happen? I don't know what the travel's going to do. I don't know what playing in London's going to do. Phillip Rivers is having a great season. You come back out off that bye, you go to Dallas for a night game. Then you bring in the New England Patriots. Then you go to Indy. You hope that you beat the Cowboys on the road. The Patriots is going to be a tall order even here. But if you're able to beat Baltimore, I just feel like if you're out there and you're a Tennessee Titans fan, that's going to give you a level of trust. You're playing against a veteran quarterback in Joe Flacco, who's been good this year, although he had a bad performance against the Cleveland Browns against a decent running attack, although Alex Collins has gone from 11th last year where he finished in rushing to 27th currently with just 217 yards on the ground. Buck Allen getting more snaps. John Harbaugh talking about a committee. But this is a top-five defense as well that the Baltimore Ravens are bringing in. So this is one of those games where... I heard Mark Mariani say this earlier on 3HL, and I agree with him, that they're sort of mirror images of each other in certain respects. Flacco, obviously you trust a little bit more than Mariota at this point just because he's been around longer and you've seen him at the highest level. You've seen him win a Super Bowl. And then defensively, the Ravens are also really good against the run, and that's what you have not seen so far for the Tennessee Titans. Overall, they're ranked fifth in yards, third in points, fifth against the rush, sixth against the pass. So this is going to be a tough one for Matt LaFleur in an offense that's still trying to gel, still trying to figure out what it is, still trying to figure out what the identity of this team is offensively, and still trying to find out who, the, who Marcus can rely upon. Johnnie Smith's trying to catch passes and practice staying late. He knows that he needs to play better. Derrick Henry has said he needs to play better. Corey Davis had 161 yards two weeks ago. Then he only had six targets after having 14 targets the week before. Dion did not have a particularly good game against Buffalo. He knows he's got to play better. The offensive line knows they have to play better. Every one of these guys knows they have to play better. Mike Vrabel knows he has to coach better. All of this is the stuff that he said in his press conference on Monday after this loss that other than Ryan Suckup and Brett Kern, everybody needs to play better. This is a Ravens team that you can beat But you have to play pretty well to beat them, I think, especially after that loss because they know that they need this game. That's why I call it a referendum because if you win this, you got some momentum going to London to play against a good Chargers team. And then, again, you come off the bye and you go to Dallas. That's not going to be easy just because it's glitz and glamour and it's a night game, and then you've got New England coming in. This is a game that you can win, and it's a game that can reverse last week's trajectory of well, this is the same old Titans team after what happened in Buffalo. I'm not so sure I believe that, but I need to see something from this team on Sunday. James is in Bradyville, Tennessee. James, how are you?
1: Great, sir. Hey, I just wanted to. I'm kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum of, of your last caller, as far as I don't know if I've been living in a cave. I don't even know how long you've been on the air, but I think it was yesterday or the day before is the first time I heard you, and I just wanted to tell you what sold me and will have me um, constantly tuning in to you from here out. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. You had made a comment about basically standing in the gap to the most important person in your life for the people suffering down in Florida. That meant worlds to me. I'm on the same page as you, Ryan and Sinker. I'm I'm a follower from here on out of you, sir.
3: James, I appreciate Um, that. I really do. You're welcome.
1: Um, And my second uh, comment is and this may have been discussed during the week, I don't know, but with Baltimore coming in and having, in my opinion, a similar defense to what we saw in Buffalo this past weekend, it's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback and, and make comments like this, but I, I feel it's important. As much as I love these new coaches, and I think there's a great gel together with them all, they, they mesh well, I was disappointed in the play calling last week and let me tell you why against Buffalo. As stout as that defense was and how they were cramming the middle there, obviously we know we couldn't run on them. Why did we have, and I'm going to guess probably 75 to 80% of the time had Marcus under center instead of having him in a shotgun and spreading the wide, our receivers out wide to spread those, that defense out where we have a chance to run the ball, play action, and things like that. It seemed like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's about 75 or 80, they had him under center. And everything, uh, nothing was getting through. I mean, we weren't, of course, we know we had to drop pass, things like that, but for the most part, we were not gaining yardage on most of the plays. And I'm just curious, why do you think he may have called that type of, of uh, plays last week, and do you think we're going to see something similar this week, or do you think he will spread out that defense? Uh, Baltimore.
3: I think that's a really good question and a really good point. We need to get to break, and we've got Murphy Fair talking high school football. The short answer, and maybe I'll elaborate on this on the other side, is that I think Marcus Mariota is a lot better when you do allow him the freedom to get outside the pocket and make plays on the run or make throws on the run. I think that he's more in a comfort zone when he's a little bit more free. When he just sits there in the pocket, I feel like he stagnates and he can't get into a rhythm. And that is one of the things that I think we no doubt saw in Buffalo. Murphy Fair next, and maybe I'll talk a little bit more about this. Really appreciate the kind comments from James. It's a big six here on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back. Big six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. little band of heathens coming back on this Friday for you bring in our good friend Murphy Fair and see what's going on in the world of high school football tonight. Murphy, how are you? I'm
2: doing fine. And what's going on is mostly rain. Where'd this come from? I didn't expect this tonight.
3: Yeah, it's supposed to be Sunday, right? Like Sunday, Monday was supposed to be the weather. But all of a sudden, the showers are out. It is at least fall. Like it feels like football should be played right now. It's not 90 degrees in all these press boxes. But where are you this evening? I'm at East Nashville tonight. A huge
2: battle between them and Pearl Cone. And uh, you wouldn't know it was raining out here, even though it's spitting pretty hard right now. The people are still just pouring in uh, like this was a Super Bowl game or something. It's uh, it's an awesome setting right now. And two really good football teams ought to be a great ball game.
3: Yeah, it definitely should be. Before we talk about some of the other matchups tonight, Some of the big things that happened last Friday night still having ramifications just in terms of the record and what you're looking at down the path. Brentwood Academy loses that game to McCauley, and now they take a break for a week, as does NBA, and then B.A. plays NBA next week. I'm already just looking ahead to that game. I've put a pin in it. I can't wait to see what happens in that game. Two one-loss teams that are going to be really out to get each other late in the season.
2: Yeah, and the interesting part of it, if NBA ends up winning that game, then we got a three-way tie for first place uh, in Division two AAA. A has beaten B, B beaten C, and C will have beaten A. So uh, uh, it ought to be interesting. NBA taking the night off tonight, and that's uh, uh something you may not be aware of, Jason, but tonight they're celebrating Oakland High School's 20th anniversary of a 98 state championship, and the head coach of Oakland uh, back in that 98 team was Marty Uverard, and uh, with NBA being off tonight, it gave Marty an opportunity to go to Murfreesboro and be a part of that celebration, and uh, I've been hearing people talk about this for a week or ten days. I guess uh, you know people getting together, kids, guys that hadn't seen each other in twenty years, and uh, they'll get to be with their coach uh, during that very special year and a very special night at Oakland tonight.
3: Yeah, both of them actually taking a week off, which means they should be rested up for that clash next week. Which again, I just I think it's going to be such a a great scene and a great game. Also, CPA and Independence combined for ninety-two points. Uh, I think CPA ran seventy-some plays. In that football game, they won it fifty-five to thirty-seven. Do you think the Lions could win the state? I mean, they were—they're going to have to go through Lausanne to do it. But if there's anybody that can beat Lausanne this year, it seems like it's Engel Martin's crew.
2: Well, I think so, and it'll be interesting to see uh, how the brackets end up uh, being drawn. Uh, I, I would hope uh, that they would be on opposite sides of the bracket, but with with them being in the middle portion. Uh, Division Two AA. Some of those teams last year went east, and some of those teams went west. It'd be a shame if uh, CPA and Lausanne had to be in like the semifinals or quarterfinals or something. But that seems to be the general talk all the way across the state that those are far and above the best two teams in Division Two AA. And
3: then in two interesting matchups last night: BGA over FRA, fourteen to three, in a turnover-riddled football game and then Maplewood wins over Nolensville by a touchdown, but in a very uninspired performance. They're close to that Region 4A title, yes, but this is one of those games where you kind of started shaking your head and you're just like, wait, Maplewood didn't look very good.
2: Well, you can't help but wonder if maybe they didn't overlook Nolansville a little bit more than they should have. Nolensville's got a very good football team. Uh, they play in a very good region. Uh, and this is their first year of having seniors on the football team, but Coach Derek has done a great job out there getting that program or keeping that football, uh, program. Focused the way that coach will hester got it going in in his first three years there at the school before going to florence alabama so uh, uh you know maybe maybe a little overconfidence there i don't know but i think maplewood still got some big games a couple of big games to go it's hard to believe this is week nine and everybody's only got two more ball games yeah. after tonight uh and and so many regional uh slots still available for playoff teams it's going to be a wild uh, final two weeks of the regular season all across the state.
3: That's so sad that it's already week nine. It literally feels like we just started, and we're almost done. It just flies by. Murphy Fair, our guest, as always, here on Fridays on the Big Six. Columbia Academy hadn't lost in the regular season since week two of last year. FRA got them last week. Of course, FRA lost last night. They're going to try to get back on the winning track. Is Columbia 6-1 and one now against Eagleville. Tonight, they have a pretty solid quarterback in Eagleville. They've won three straight games. What do you think about this one?
2: I think it's got a chance to be a pretty good ball game, especially when you consider the fact that next week, Columbia Academy plays Lewis County, and that will likely be for the regional title. This is Columbia Academy's last year in Division One. They'll be playing in the private league next year, uh, and I'm sure Coach Charlie Lansell has, uh, has emphasized to the team yeah, we've got a huge game next week about Lewis, I mean with Lewis County but we can't forget this Eagle Bowl team. Uh, as you said, they've got a great quarterback uh, who's who's broken I think probably all the school records as far as throwing the football is concerned. Uh, they can be a pretty talented team but I think Columbia Academy, man for man, has got uh, uh, a lot more seasoned players. Uh, Coach Floyd Walker, a former MTSU assistant for a long, long time has, has got some Uh, Some younger kids in the lineup there, uh, and uh, I think Columbia Academy, if they play the game they're capable of playing, uh, they should win that one by a couple of touchdowns.
3: Ravenwood last week, first shutout for Matt Daniels in his second year coaching at Ravenwood, and they lost to a team I, I used to call all of South Warren's games in the state of Kentucky with head coach Brandon Smith. Their quarterback is Steve Spurrier's grandson. Uh, Gavin, and he is every bit as good as you would think Steve Spurrier's quarterback grandson would be. Ravenwood loses that football game, and now they play a one-loss Fairview team. Host them tonight; that could be an intriguing matchup as well.
2: I think so. Um, Coach Hughes at uh, Chris Hughes at Fairview is not one to shy away from any competition. I mean, he's fifty plus and, and played in a in a national flag football league. Uh, earlier this year. So uh, he's game for anything, but uh, that's a 3A school against a 6A school. Uh, And I think uh, Ravenwood should probably win that one going away. But there again, uh, you never know. Uh, And and since you mentioned Ravenwood's uh, coach's name, Matt Daniels, there's another coach in the state whose name is Matt Daniel, without an F, Uh And he's the head coach at Cannon County, and they've got a huge game in Woodbury tonight against uh, Smith County the high school that my kids uh, both graduated from uh, in the winter of this ball game tonight probably becomes the fourth place team in region uh, four 3a and get a chance to go to the playoffs and that uh, that would be huge for Cannon county because they were 0 and 10 last year at 0 and 10 the year before and uh, coach matt daniel's done a great job in turning that program around and they're on the They're on the verge of greatness tonight if they can uh, whip the owls on their own home field.
3: Yeah, that's where our good friend Tom Duggan and the DTC3.TV sports crew will be there tonight. We talked to him a little bit earlier. That should be a good one. All right, stay out of the rain, Murph. I'm sure you'll uh, be calling in to talk with Chad Wither a little bit later on tonight. Enjoy that matchup, and we'll talk to you next week.
2: That'll be great. Thanks,
3: Jason. Appreciate it. That is the great Murphy Fair. You see him out there, give him an umbrella or something if the rain's going to continue. On the other side, our final segment of the week. And again, if you want to call, you can still get in at 615-737-1045. But I will have my big six matchups of the football weekend. Don't miss that. Coming up next, big six, 104.5 The Zone. Final segment of the week here on the big six. Glad to have you with us. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. A little Jefferson Starship for you here. Our thanks to Murphy Fair. Out and about, watching high school football tonight. Chad Withrow follows me with High School Football Hour, and then he'll be with you all night long. Chris Eeks will join him as well. I had a blast with Chris last week filling in for Chad. A lot of fun doing that show and just talking high school all night long. There's just a lot of passion In high school and college football, it sometimes doesn't exist in the NFL, and it's always cool just to look at it from a different perspective where it's not necessarily the business, at least on the field, or at least for the fans, as it sometimes can be a little too corporate in the NFL for our tastes, just as pure entertainment. However, there are some great NFL matchups this weekend. Maybe not the best matchups across the board, But one game that outside of the Thursday night football game a couple of weeks ago between the Vikings and the Rams is one of those that you just kind of circled for a while as you started to watch this season unfold. Let's do the big six matchups of the weekend here. Three college, three pro games. And you know what? We'll start with college. We usually start with the NFL. We'll reverse it today. Number 15, Wisconsin at number 12, Michigan. Here's two Big Ten teams. They match up in a way where the game really could go in either direction. I don't love either team, but they're both capable of a victory here. I tend to think because it's at Michigan, it's at the big house, that Harbaugh's guys probably find a way to win it by – it's it's a touchdown or less kind of football game. I don't think it's a blowout. Whoever wins it. Wisconsin has not been impressive, not even to the level that you usually expect them to be to this point in the season. Michigan lost to Notre Dame, but they've gotten better since that point. If the Wolverines lose this football game, the Harbaugh talk will ramp right back up. And I have been ahead of that all year long and dating back to last year, saying that Harbaugh is quite overhyped. And he was in my big six list of most overhyped guys in sports. They've got to win this game. They should win this game. They've got a subpar Michigan State team next week, but it's Michigan State, it's a rivalry game. you know Mark Dantonio's crew is going to show up to play the Wolverines. Michigan I just I don't trust them, but I also don't buy into Wisconsin, so I'm going to take the home field and think 23-17. Michigan's going to get this victory. Number 7 Washington at number 17 Oregon's fascinating because Washington if they can run the table even dating back to what happened to them in the first week of the season, it happened in the first week of the season. I think they could maybe get to the college football playoff if things break their way, but they've got to get out of Eugene alive. Oregon and Justin Herbert, that's a really fun team over or under Mario Cristobal. They lost to Stanford. They came from ahead to tank somehow and lost that game. Washington is just better to me, even though the future looks really good in Eugene. This is a squad that should, meaning Chris Peterson's squad, should run the table if they can get out unscathed here. This is a dangerous football game. But the Huskies are a little more tested. They're more used to playing in this kind of game. This crew is. I'm not talking about historically. They're both pretty good franchises. or good organizations and good universities and good programs. But this version of the Huskies is more used to playing in big-time games that matter than Oregon is. The younger kids, certainly, on those teams. Oregon at home is a totally different animal, but I think Chris Peterson's got enough on both sides of the ball. If they lose, they're out of the playoff, and they know it. I wouldn't be shocked if the Ducks won it, but I would be mildly surprised, and I think Washington's going to win it by a field goal. I think it is close. It may be a 34-24 game where Oregon scores and makes it 34-31, but that's what I've got as the final with Washington winning and then having a chance again to run the table. And then finally, number 2 Georgia at number 13 LSU. LSU's coming off that tough loss in what was just an awesome war in the swamp last week. They need the win and want the win. Georgia's big time, and we know it. That said, Baton Rouge is going to be rocking. This is a major test for the Tigers against a definite playoff contender. The question is, is Joe Burrow ready for another tough defense? Joe Burrow looked pretty good. Last week, he didn't turn the football over for the first three games of the season. He has over the last couple of weeks. He lost a fumble against Louisiana Tech. He lost one against Ole Miss. Then two interceptions and a fumble against Florida. That may have cost them the football game. Turnovers will cost you a game. Ask the Tennessee Titans in Buffalo if you need an example of that. Joe Burrow's got to protect the football against Georgia. I really want to take LSU to win this game. But I'm going to stick with Georgia to win this thing close, probably late. But this is going to be an excellent football game, and I'm sure that you already know this. And under Coach Orgeron, this is kind of interesting as well. This football team has never lost back-to-back under Orgeron. But this is the first time, and I pulled this from Saturday down south, first time that a loss has been followed by a game against a team anywhere near as good as Georgia. The previous losses were followed by games against Arkansas twice, Texas A&M, and Florida. So this is a huge test, and it's a huge football game for both of these two uh, teams. Now we move to the three NFL matchups of the weekend. We'll get to the big one last. Let's start with the Steelers at the Bengals. Andy Dalton's having a crazy year. He's got a 94.9 passer rating, which isn't as impressive as it sounds just because everybody has a higher passer rating right now. 12 touchdowns, though. Just too shy of Pat Mahomes' league-leading 14. 14. The Steelers are starting to round into form on offense, and I think one thing people are not paying attention to is that overall, the Bengals' defense is pedestrian at best. So the offense has had to score, and they have. 298 passing yards per game for Andy Dalton. He's lost Tyler Eifert, who looked like he was about to have a really good season. John Ross looks like he's hurt every time he catches a pass. A.J. Green is going to have to do what he always does, at least when they win, which is be special and on the other side of the football not defensively but offensively for the Steelers we're starting to see Juju Smith Schuster emerge as a guy that might actually be better than Antonio Brown but you can't argue that as long as the two play together because of how much just attention AB attracts Cincinnati's secondary worries me a lot Pittsburgh is not cohesive their defense is atrocious Atlanta fell apart. They're starting to fall apart on offense. Their defense is obviously injury-riddled to the point where the Falcons are pretty much done. So I don't put a ton into what I saw the Steelers do to the Falcons last week. This is the game in Cincinnati that the Bengals should win, and I feel like they're going to lose it. I just don't trust the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't trust Marvin Lewis in this situation. The new offensive coordinator is doing a lot of good things. But I will take the Steelers 27-20. to Browns at Chargers, I am super intrigued by. Phillip Rivers, maybe the best season of his career. Titans opponent next week in London. The Browns with Baker Mayfield, I just like watching Baker Mayfield play. That young defense, I like watching Denzel Ward. I like watching Miles Garrett. That's a very cardiac football team, to be sure. But it's also a lot of fun. This could be a really entertaining game. The Chargers are another one of those teams that could make a run in a weak AFC. They should be a wild card, probably will be a wild card. Casey's probably going to win that division. But this is a tough road ask of Cleveland to go across the country. Derwin James, a total stud. Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward on the other side. You don't have Joey Bosa because he's still injured. I don't think the Browns are quite ready to beat Phillip Rivers on the road yet. But I think this is probably a close game just because you don't usually blow out this Browns team because of the way the defense plays. And Mayfield will do some things in this game, probably good and bad as he's still growing. But I think the Chargers win it 24-17. to And then the biggest matchup, KC at New England on Sunday Night Football. One thing that's really interesting, I heard earlier this week about Belichick, is that when he's playing in the regular season against a team he expects to see again down the road, He's got some things on film that he will actually allow that team to do on offense. It's the opposite of not showing your cards offensively. He will lure opposing offenses into thinking they have something they can exploit against the Patriots that he expects them to do to then totally make them try to do it in the game that does matter. And then he burns them with it. Andy Reid, one of the great play callers in the history of the NFL, New England defense is very average. But this is going to be a great game. You know it is. Since 2006, the Patriots have lost exactly two games at home with Tom Brady at quarterback, which is just staggering. You know what? I think it's going to be three. This game really does not mean much in the grand scheme, but I cannot wait to see it. I think Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to outscore the Patriots and win a 31-28 classic on Sunday night football. Should be awesome. All right. We are in our final minute of the week. I want to make you smarter. Let's do that now. First off, quickly, locally, Tennessee's on the road at Auburn-Tennessee tailgate show. Tomorrow, me and Joey Kent will be on the postgame. After Vols postgame, we'll take your phone calls and talk about, uh, we'll be interested to see what Tennessee looks like after the bye week against an Auburn team that's been very Jekyll and Hyde. Two versions of that team. And Vandy hosts Florida. Very curious about that. I don't think Vandy has enough to beat Florida, but I think that could be a close football game as well. Over the past 15 years in the NFL, the number one rated offense and defensive teams have matched up seven times. You might think the defense has dominated. The offensive team, the one that's number one offense, six and one averaging 31 points per game. Last week, the most recent example, the Chiefs put up 30 on Jacksonville. So right there on brand, not quite 31, but 30. And Blake Bortles certainly helped that that out. I think you would think that the defense has fared better against the offenses. That hasn't been the case. Chad Withrow, High School Football Hour next. Good night.